morning. Let's all stand together. We're going to sing. When darkness tries to roll over my bones, when sorrow comes to steal the joy out. When brokenness and pain is all I know Oh, I won't be shaken Oh, I won't be shaken Sing it with me My feet doesn't stand the chance When I stand in your love My feet doesn't stand the chance When I stand in your love My feet doesn't stand the chance
continue to sing together this morning. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be afraid every time I face the waves. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to fear the storm. Because I hear you
room today that might be in the middle of an unexpected storm or you might have just come out of one or there might be some people that are about to step into something that we don't even know we're not going to be able to see it coming but I want us to take a minute to just kind of remind ourselves that God is for us and he fights for us I've also been learning that when we seek Him and when we seek time with Him and we ask for that peace, that He'll give it to us. God, He'll give us the perfect amount and He'll wrap us in it to get us through those times, but He'll also wrap it so that we can have it for the season we're about to step into. Because He's just that good. <laughs> so I just want us to take a minute you can sit and be still, you can talk to Him, you can sing to Him, any way that you communicate with Him, let's just do that for a minute. I think a lot of times when we're in the middle of a storm or we don't, we're not and we're about to, I think that we just stay busy and we try to distract ourselves. So at this time, let's just take a minute, just you and Him just us in this room together as a community of believers just trying to find our way. So let's just take a minute.
pray over every person in this room right now that's in the middle of an unexpected storm, who feel alone and they feel abandoned. God, break down the walls of their heart today that they would feel you and that they would see you working in their lives, maybe for the first time in a long time. Overwhelm them with your peace. And God, the fact that you're the God of the universe who created the moon and the stars, and the God that the angels bow down to, you're the same God that loves us and who strives for a relationship with us and wants to be with us. And we thank you so much for that. So just pour it out on us today, God. We thank you for being here. God, that we don't have to invite you in this place, that you're already here. God, you've made yourself known, so I pray that you would make it known in everyone's lives in this room today, that they're not alone, that you're fighting for us every day. We thank you and we praise you. Amen.
at Springwell, we have a love um, for children and we have a love for partnering with parents to raise godly children. And so for that reason, child dedication has always been an especially exciting time for us here at Springwell. And so each year we dedicate children to God and we pray over them for their present and for their future. And we do this not to signify a baptism, but we do this um, to signify a determination and a commitment that we as parents and as a church are gonna love and raise godly children and lead them. And so yesterday, these families that are standing here before me came here. We had a lunch in the family ministry building and these families learned what they can do to raise their families on the foundation of Jesus. And so we taught them through what that looks like. We gave them tangible examples of what they can do to continue to lead their family like Jesus would have them do that. And so um, it was a great time that we had here together. And so we talked in that um, um, conversation together about the verse Deuteronomy 6, 6 or 7. And so it says, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And so parents, today we dedicate your child. And so as we do that, we as a church wanna make these commitments alongside you. Um, and we ask that you guys take part in doing that as well. Um, that you pray for your child, um, that you lead your children. We talked yesterday about intentional parenting and making the most of every single moment that you have. And so we want you to make church attendance a part of that. And we talked yesterday about that circle of people. We talked about how the circle of people can grow and people who are in your circle want the same thing for your children that you do. And you talked yesterday about all of you said you wanted your children to love God, to love people. And so we as a church have a responsibility to help you do that. And so today, church, we are gonna talk through what that looks like. We're gonna talk about raising godly children and what it means to impress these commandments on their heart. We need to constantly remind children of the love of God. And so scriptures tells us to talk about it with them wherever we go. Um, and so that is here at church. And so as we dedicate these children today, we are gonna talk about impressing upon them. And so we commit today as a church to walk alongside these parents, to take part in their journey as they raise their children. And we commit to, um, to pray and lead them. Um, so as a church, we're responsible in teaching your children. We're responsible for teaching them scripture. We're responsible, responsible for teaching them biblical truth. And when they come here to Springwell, they're gonna learn those things. And by learning those things, they're gonna be able to talk about those things with you at home. And what they're learning here is gonna foster a conversation at your house, around your dinner tables, where you're gonna be able to talk about what God is doing in their life. As these kids grow, that's gonna look different. It's gonna look different when they're three than it is when they're 13. But as they grow, no matter if they're preschoolers, elementary age, students, whatever that looks like, we as a church are called to teach them. And so we will do that for you. We as a church are also called to serve you and your families. That looks like volunteering in kids ministry, 
student ministry, um, walking alongside you guys in growth group, helping you guys develop as people and as leaders so that you guys can lead your kids. And then we as a church are called to lead you and help you through difficult times. We know, all of us in this room know that storms and trials are going to come. We know that there are going to be difficult times that hit. And we all know that when those difficult times hit, that it's better for us to do things together. We're always better together than we are by ourselves. And so when you don't know what way is up, the people in this room, the people of this church are going to be the people who you can turn to, who you can lean on. And then lastly, we believe as a church that we need to celebrate with you. And that's one of the things that we're doing today. There are going to be such exciting times ahead for you. There's going to be baptisms. There's going to be um, first day of kindergarten, first day of middle school, getting a driver's license, going to prom. All of these things are exciting moments in your child's life. And we want to celebrate all that is happening alongside you. And so yesterday we talked about um, how many hours a parent gets from the time that their child is born to the time that they graduate from high school. And so how many weeks is it? 936, 936 weeks from birth till they graduate from high school. And so each family is getting, or each child is getting a jar that has a, um, a lot of buttons in here. And so each one of these buttons represents one week for each one of these children. And so each week, we challenge you to take one of these buttons out as a visual reminder of how many weeks you have left until your child graduates from high school. And so over time, these beads are gonna decrease, but the amount of influence that you have is gonna increase in your children. And so today, you've committing to raising your families like Jesus would have you do that. And so we want you to continue to do that, making him the center and the foundation of your home. Brian's gonna pray over you guys, and then we'll continue. Today isn't just a significant time and a mile marker for these families who are on stage, but it absolutely is for us as a church. Because whether or not you realize it, when a family makes church attendance a priority, on average, we get 40 hours a year with a child. While at home, these parents have 3,000 hours a year with their kids. So Springwell, it is our responsibility to do everything that we can to support, to love, to encourage, and to have these parents' backs. And that's what we're doing here today. So would you guys join me as we pray for them and for us as a body, as we love them and we serve them together. Let's pray. Father, what a incredible opportunity to be able to come before you and to celebrate not only the lives of these kids, but to celebrate the decision that these families have made to make you the foundation of their lives. God, we pray for each child that there will come a day where we get to celebrate with them taking a step to demonstrate that they now know you as Lord and Savior. By doing that through baptism, we look forward to that day. We look forward to the day that they take a step 
to invite friends to come to church with them. We look forward to celebrating the day that they take a step to serve you and to serve others. God, I pray that as a, as a church, we will do everything that we can to love them and to serve them well. And Father, I pray for the, the parents who are on stage. They are endeavoring to do one of the most difficult jobs on earth, but one of the most rewarding jobs on earth. Father, I pray that you give them more grace when it's needed, more mercy when it's needed, more compassion when it's needed, more acceptance when it's needed. And that they will live each day with an end in mind for their kids of who they want them to become in you and through you. And God, may we as a church love them, support them, encourage them, wrap our arms around them when they need it, help lift them up when they need it, and remind them that they are not going down this road alone. They are not on this journey alone. We are here and we love them and we want the best for them and we want the best for their family. For us as a church, I pray that we will do everything in our power corporately, but individually as well to support these families as they are today driving a stake in the ground and saying, Jesus Christ will be the foundation of our family. May we do everything that we can to support them in that endeavor. Thank you for this time that we've spent together this morning. Thank you for what you're doing in the lives of these folks in the life of our church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As these families are going to get ready to leave here in just a moment, you guys are going to go exit down. Katie has a gift for you. Um, your buttons inside of your jar. When you realize that they're dwindling, don't start crying on us, okay? All right. So uh, we're excited for these families, and we're excited that all of us got to be a part of that. Can um, Let's just celebrate with them the decision that they've made. Can you guys join me in doing that? I love that for us. Oh, my gosh. You want to help out? You want to carry these two? We really did have a great time hanging out together yesterday. And uh, I'm so excited about what God is doing here in our church, specifically in and through our family ministries that we have. We have um, an incredible children's ministry that's taking place right now. Our nursery is just right outside these doors, if you guys aren't aware of that. Uh, Our kids who are are two and, and up through sixth grade are meeting next door in the building over there. It's phenomenal, and it's filled with people who love kids and who want three things for them, to help them understand that God created them, God loves them, and God wants to be their very best friend. And that's what we try to accomplish every single week. And God's really doing some cool stuff. As a matter of fact, last Sunday alone, checked into family ministry. So uh, preschool, nursery, elementary, Uh, The Crossing, which is our preteen ministry, and then student ministry. Last Sunday alone, there were almost 200 kids birthed through 18 who were checked into those things. That's like a a, a holiday weekend, kind of. I mean, it's amazing that we saw God do that on a time change week, by the way, if you haven't remembered what was going on last Sunday. And that speaks volumes to people who love kids and want to serve families and are a part of that team. 
And uh, so I want to tell you today, if you've never taken the chance or you never had the opportunity, you never really thought about, hey, I have, I have a child. How do I get them engaged? How do I get them plugged in? Literally, all you have to do is just go next door on Sunday morning and, have, and check them in. You can actually do that this morning. They're going to have a great time learning about Jesus on their level. And, uh, and they're going to walk out knowing that he created them, he loves them, and he wants to be their best friend. And when we give... As a part of what takes place in this service, you're helping make everything happen that's happened over there. So thank you guys for that. So this morning, we're going to enter into a time of worship through giving. If you're a guest with us today, do not feel obligated to give whatsoever. We're grateful that you're here hanging out with us. But for those of us who call Springwell home, I want to encourage you right now uh, to think about the role that you play in the next generation in this manner as we give back to God. You can give in several ways. You can give in the lobby at the kiosk. You can give online at springwell.org. Uh, you can text the number that's going to be on the screen in just a moment, or you can give what we call the old-fashioned way. We're going to pass some buckets in just a moment. So if you're on the left-hand side of the row, if you'll look under your seat, you'll find a black bucket. You can pass that to the other side now. Thank you guys again so much for bringing it Springwell today. Good morning. How are y'all? Doing good? Feel good? Pumped up? Ready to go? Brian and Katie were awesome, weren't they? Give them a huge hand. Oh, come on. That's his little patty cake. Woo! They are awesome. And for those of you that I know, you're say, I've had already several people say, oh, you don't have your sling on because y'all made fun of me. I said, I ain't going to wear it. No, I saw the doctor this week. Just so you know, you don't have to be too fearful. <laughs> um, he did give me a little bit more freedom, which was probably a dangerous thing to give me, but uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, shoulders doing great, and so if you see me moving around a little bit, unless I holler and scream and fall off the stage, I'm good. I'm good. I just want you to know ahead of time, all right? So don't, don't worry about me uh, too much. I promise everything's going to be all right. So today we're uh, going to finish up this series called The Unexpected. So I have to ask this question. How many of you would say that maybe you're at a place in life that you've never really expected to be? Hello, go ahead and get those hands up. That's right, wave them. Don't you feel like you're Pentecostal right now? Isn't that cool? Um, maybe, maybe you're single and, uh, you, you know, you just never expected to be single at this stage of life that you're in. Maybe you've fallen in love. A couple times, you know, done a little dating, fall. Maybe you fell in love, head, head over heels in love. Maybe a couple of times. Maybe three or four times. You're a loser. No, I'm just kidding. That's not, that's not, that's not in my notes. I'm sorry. That's, that's not it at all. But you know what? You, you, and so you're at maybe 40 or 50 or 100. I don't know. <laughs> and so you're, you're still single, and you just never really expected to be single at this stage of your life. Maybe you're divorced and single. Maybe you're divorced and single, and you just never thought that would happen to you. 
You've never dreamed that it would happen to you. Maybe you grew up in, in church and you heard those red-hot sermons, you know, like divorce is the worst sermon, worst sin in the world, you know. I, I mean, that was kind of the church I was raised in. And so to believe that, and so, you know, you heard those sermons, and so when you stood at the altar and you made your vows, you were committed, you know, you were all in. But the person that you married wasn't all in. And so maybe you're just, you know, divorced and single, and maybe you're broken, and you just never really expected to be where you are. Maybe, maybe you're in a dead-end job, and, and what I mean by that is maybe you started off and times were hard, but you were making plans, you weren't quite there, maybe you had to do a little more school, whatever the case might be, but you, you, you know, you kind of settled into this, this job. It was a temporary job. You know, it wasn't going to be a lifelong occupation for you. You just kind of, you know, you just kind of took this job as a way to just, you know, kind of hold you until you could finally get that better job. But maybe, maybe that job, maybe you got a couple of raises and so you were kind of raised up to maybe you make not as much as you would have made in your dream job, but you're making, you know, more than you were when you were down here. And maybe without realizing it, you just got stuck, And maybe you're in a place that you never really expected to be. You thought that you would move on by now. You thought that things would be different by now. Maybe it's kind of like the situation that the children of Israel found themselves in after God freed them, set them free. Come on, somebody, amen. Uh, <clears throat> set them free after 400 years of slavery and Egypt. And so they thought they were embarking on this really quick, swift, 11-day journey to the promised land. Y'all with me? Quick. This is going to be easy. We have been set free, and they had no intentions of living in tents in the desert for the next 40 years, but that's exactly what happened. How did they get there? I mean, their future was bright. Their path was straight. How in the world could... How in the world could these people take an 11-day journey and turn it into a 40-year nightmare? And maybe that's kind of where you are. Something got them off course. Something changed their outlook. Something changed their future. Something got them off course. And and so maybe you're somewhere that you never really expected to be. You never thought by this stage of your life that you would be where you are right now. Something got you off course. So I'll tell you what let's do. Let's, we're going to look at Numbers 13 and 14, then we're going to go to Joshua 14. We'll be done by about 3 o'clock. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So just relax. Let's look at the children of Israel. Let's look at their story, and let's see if there's some, maybe some things that we can learn that will help us not make the same mistakes that they made. So it reads like this, The Lord said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I'm giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the twelve tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded, and he sent out twelve men. So things are looking really, really good, right? And so now here they are. They're at the edge of paradise, the land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, paradise. I'm thinking like Hawaii. That's the picture I get in my head. Dan Elmore. I don't even know what to say right now. I mean, you know, where he's at, you know, he's living in the land of paradise. It would kind of like be that land flowing with milk and honey. At least that's why I have it 
picture it in my head. And so, so there they are. 400 years of slavery is over. Wandering around in the desert, you know, looking for food and water and living in tents. I mean, it's come to an end. Only thing left is to send some spies into the land. You know what I'm talking about, just to kind of get a, a lay of the land, maybe to see if there are any challenges that come with freedom. Because most of us miss that, don't we? We think that freedom is being... And so that would just, like, I'm with you. I would think that freedom would be, would be being free, and it would be free of challenges. <laughs> but it's not, new. it's not a big deal. It's really, it's not a big deal. So if you're brand new to church, you know, let me just kind of give you a little bit of what they could look back on. Just a little bit, just since God had set them free from this slavery. I mean, God parted the Red Sea. Hello, are y'all with me? I mean, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to remember that story. So, you know, God set his people free, and so they get to the Red Sea, and they go, how are we going to cross? And the Egyptian army is right on their rear ends, and so God, then he parts the water. It's awesome. They walk across on dry land, and then they look back, and then God, these, God allowed these huge walls of water to come crashing in on their enemy. And they said, cool. Bad for the Egyptians. It was really, really good for them. And then God fed them with bread when they needed something to eat. Now, they whined. I, that's, we can trace uh, being Southern Baptist all the way back to the... <laughs> that was fun, wasn't it? Did y'all have a good time? Uh, <clears throat> so here's what he did. So, so God then provided flocks of quail because they wanted some meat when they whined and they fussed and they complained and then there was water flowing out of a rock that when they were thirsty God traveled with them he said you know what I'm going to provide for you I've defeated your enemy right in front of you but I know you people your memory is really really bad so he said I'm going to give you a pill of cloud by day and so when you look up you will know that my presence is with you and then there was a pillar of fire by night and so God said you can look back and see all that I've done for you no need to worry. So they sent in these spies, and verse 25, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole company of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what, y'all, I'm slowing down, they had seen and showed them the fruit. And I've liked seeing pictures of this fruit. Have y'all, any y'all raised in church at all? Like we got two of us that maybe were, were raised in church. And so if you were raised in church, did you see those pictures? Like they had these grapes and they would fling them over their shoulder. They were like cantaloupes. They were like watermelons. I mean, grapes were huge. I'm just saying, I think about that every time I read this. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land that you sent us to explore. And it is indeed are you kidding me? It's everything God said it would be. It is a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit that it produces. And so this is everything that God promised that it would be. The fruit is huge. The grass is green. The water is pure. The land is beautiful. So they're ready to take it, right? But there's always a few buts in situations like this. You take that any way you want to. But the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. I tell you what, we even saw giants. There were giants there. The descendants of Anak, 
the Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Meunites. I'm just making stuff up now. This, all the ites were there. The Canaanites live among the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. So this is everything that God promised. But there are going to be a few unexpected challenges. There are giants in the land flowing with milk and honey. But it's all okay, right? I mean, these people could look back and see everything that God had done. They would say, wow, you defeated the Egyptians. God, that was like, that was like major. There was the ten plagues before that. And, and so, God, there's all these things. I mean, we know that you're good. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as soon as, as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Wow. Yeah. I thought there'd be a little more excitement. He said, let's go conquer it. Thank you. Appreciate that. So I guess freedom doesn't come free. Uh, there's still a few challenges. A few, I wrote this, I think it's funny. Growth opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> That's a positive way, isn't it? It's a positive spin. Some growth opportunities. Some responsibilities to tend to. Y'all having fun? A few more giants to slay, but it's no big deal. It's no big deal. God's never let them down. They prayed. God answered their prayer. I'm back. I'm still thinking about the quail, aren't you? Wow, that's good. Caleb saw the challenges, but he wasn't scared. I love this guy. This guy is awesome. I mean, he's the guy I want on my team, right? He's the guy that when you're faced with a challenge would say, it doesn't matter. If God is for us, who can be against us? But, I told you there are a lot of buts in this story. But the other men who had explored the land, well, they disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this, this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The, the land that we traveled through and explored, will de, it's going to devour us. I'm telling you, anyone who goes there, all the people we saw, they were huge. They're giants in that land. Next to them, truth be told, we felt like grasshoppers. And you know what? They thought the same thing. We felt like grasshoppers. They punched each other. Maybe they laughed. I don't know. Maybe they pointed. You guys look like grasshoppers compared to us. We are awesome. And then in chapter 14, here's what it says. The whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Then they plotted among themselves. Bunch of weenies. Let's choose a new leader. And then look, you know what it says. And let's go back to Egypt. And really, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Egypt? you got to be kidding me. 400 years of slavery where like you struggled every day just to have enough, have enough to drink, enough, enough food to keep you alive. You worked seven days a week. You worked your fingers to the bones. You want to go back to Egypt? It's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. At least if they're a little bit hesitant about going in, maybe. But to go back to Egypt, but that's exactly where they were. You know what's amazed me, and I've been pastoring a long time, it's amazed me what negativity can do. How fast it can spread. I've been pastoring Baptist churches for about 35 years. I don't even know, you, you, there should be some kind of response. Bless your heart. I mean something, you know. 
right? I'm telling you, what I've seen happen in churches, it is what negativity can do. It's what one person, oftentimes, spreading this little bit of negativity that will absolutely destroy a church. It'll destroy a family. It'll destroy you. So they unexpectedly are unexpectedly faced with a, with a little bit of opposition. Okay, it's a lot of opposition. It's not a little bit. They're giants in the land. And they're ready to throw their freedom away. I mean, they're ready to throw their freedom away. Are you, are you with me? Their freedom. They don't just say, well, we'll go back out and wander around in the desert, but we ain't going in there. There's giants in the land. They said, we want to go back to the very thing that we prayed for 400 years for God to deliver us from. We're ready to go back to slavery. And the thought occurred to me as I read that. They still had this slavery mentality, didn't they? It's not a lot of different than any of us, really. The scariest thing is freedom sometimes, the responsibility that comes with freedom, the challenges that come with freedom, the opportunities that come with freedom to grow, but but sometimes we're we're more afraid of, of change. We're more afraid of what's in the promised land. We're more afraid of what's over here than we are the addiction that we're still caught in. The situation that we find ourselves in, we would rather be there with life being predictable than we would to be free. And so they actively resisted God's efforts to mature them, to develop them, to strengthen them, to grow them, and to get them ready for the very thing that they longed for. This this land, this freedom, this land flowing with milk and honey. Fear. Fear is taking them off course. So here's God's reply. You ready? I love y'all. You're amazing. I'm going to bless you anyway. That's not what he said. Here's what he says. He says, you will all drop dead in the wilderness. (laughs) Am I the only one? I mean, who wrote the Bible? That would be God for those of you that are brand new to church. That would be like God. And so as I read this, I thought, you know, God, I'm just, I left that part out. Like, I'm going to like, maybe some one Sunday morning, I'm going to share this. And what do you want me to say? Like, you, you know, I'm going to say, God is a God of love. But he'll kill you in a heartbeat. I mean, what, how does that really go over, you know? He's a God of mercy, unless you tick him off. I mean, there are conditions. In fact, I was able to talk with somebody about that this week. What do you do with difficult passages like that? Let me tell you what I've learned. What I've learned is God did write this. He didn't have to. He could have left this part out. So let me tell you what I've learned. When I find that there are difficult passages in Scripture that I don't really know how to exegete, I don't know what to do with, that calls me sometimes to go, hmm, then I realize that God put that, put that there for a purpose, and it is for me to understand that, wait a minute, What do I understand about the Bible? And that is this, is that God is love. He is not just simply loving. He is the very definition of love. And so when I find myself in passages like this, I realize that when I can't trace your hand, when I can't understand your method, I can 
trust your heart. And so, you know what, honestly, and maybe this sounds like a cop-out for some of you that are like brand new to church, but I think, you know what, I can trust him. There's a part of the story he just didn't tell me. That it leads me to trust him even when I don't understand him. It leads me to believe in him when even when I'm confused. He's a God that can be trusted. It doesn't get any better, by the way, as I read this. Because you complained against me, every one of you who was 20 years old or older and was included in the registration, he didn't chew his cabbage twice. I mean, he just said, you'll die. Do you know what the word die means in the Hebrew? It means you're going to die. That's what it means. He said, there's only going to be two exceptions, and that's Caleb and Joshua. That's it. Of this generation, that's it. So out of the million or so men that Moses led out of Egypt and, and across the desert, Caleb and Joshua were the only two who actually stepped foot across the Jordan into the, the promised land. Just two out of a million. I'm telling you, there's, there's something about negativity. It, it's destroyed churches. It's destroyed families. It's destroyed people. Fear. Fear. Fear will paralyze you. Fear will make you, rather than to claim the work that God has done and live in the beauty and the wonder of everything that God has done, it will make you want to go back to slavery. The power of fear. When they initially um, arrived at the borders of the promised land, uh, Caleb, he was 40 years old. 40 years old. 40 years later, Joshua 14, this is what Caleb says to Joshua. Here's what he says. He says, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea? He says, I was 40 years old. Remember, way back in the day when we stood and we looked over and then we were spies. We went in and checked everything out. I was 40 years old when the servant of the Lord sent me to Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. Now, verse 10, now as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive. He's kept me alive and well as he promised all these 45 years since Moses made the promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, I love this. He said, today I am 85 years old. Wow, 85 years old. He had to wait another 40 plus years all because of the fear, all because of fear of the unexpected. So what are the giants that are standing in your way from crossing into the promised land? What are the, what are the giants that are standing in your way of being able to walk in the work that Jesus has already done on the cross? What's standing in your way for finally, after all of these years of being in slavery to whatever it is that you're in slavery to, what, if, what is it that's keeping you from living in that freedom. Maybe it is fear. Maybe it's just fear. It's, it's the fear of a new life. It's the responsibilities that come with a new life. It's, they're giants. 
How in the world will I ever overcome? How can I possibly face? Maybe it's fear. Fear has paralyzed you, and you are still stuck in the desert. Maybe it's worry. You know, worry tends to, to make you ask the question, but what if? I mean, Lord, I know you've been cool. You've been good in the past. Y'all ever done this? I've done this. Maybe y'all hadn't, so y'all a lot more spiritual than I am. But there have been times for me, I've always said, but, 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 Lord, <laughs> we ain't had a victory in a while. You know what I'm saying? And when I look back, I'm like, it's been awesome. But what, but what if you don't want to do it now? God, what if I've done something? What if I've done something to disqualify myself? What, what if? What if, God? What if you don't step up to the plate this time? Maybe doubt. See, maybe you've been in the desert for so long, you're just asking the question, God, it's not just, it's not just will you, it's can you. Like, can you, can you help me to defeat the giants? Maybe it's confusion. Maybe you're just confused as to why you have to face the giants at all anyway. And I'm sure there had to be some of them going, Really? Are you kidding me? Like God, for 400 years we were in slavery. We begged, we pleaded, we prayed. We begged, we pleaded, we prayed. Some of us gave up. Some of our people died still begging and pleading and praying. And then you show up. And then on an 11-day journey we get here and now there are giants in the land. God, are you kidding me? Why would you do such a thing? Maybe this is not God at all. Maybe we've just been led out here by some nitwit leader who thought that's what God said. And maybe, maybe, maybe you're just angry. Maybe you're just angry because you wanted freedom to be free. So maybe you're just angry at God. So let me tell you what Caleb says. I love this. This is bad to the bone right here. Listen, if you're over 50, you get your chest out right now. I'm fitting to make us proud. You young pups, y'all don't know what you're doing. Anyway, here's what he says. He said, I'm strong now, as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. <laughs> don't somebody you say, you're 85. <laughs> Brother, listen, I know you mean well, but you're 85. When's the last time you had your testosterone checked? You may be suffering from low T right now. I'm just saying you're 85. But this is a man right here. I mean, listen to him. He said, give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts we found the descendants of Anak living there, great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out just as the Lord said. Wow. So I guess the moral of the story is that a lot of people suffer when we face, we fail to face the giants in our lives. A whole generation died. And then Caleb, he had to wait another 40 plus years. He's 80 years old. So verse 13 says, so Joshua blessed Caleb. And gave Hebron uh, to him as his portion of land. So 
So God rewarded Caleb because he never let go of what God promised. He never let go. And I'm just going to be honest with you, I just think that that had to be a struggle to not let go. To, to be in the wilderness would have been one thing, and i got to be honest, if I had been out there, I could have taken the wilderness living, I think. It would have been the people that would have drove me nuts because they're still whining, a bunch of Baptists. I'm telling you, man, they were whining and they were complaining. We want to go back to Egypt. I mean, I would have said, well, go on back to Egypt with your sorry self. What was supposed to be an 11-day journey from bondage to freedom has turned into a nightmare. But he did enter the promised land. That's life after the unexpected. The promised land. Freedom. Doesn't mean there won't be some giants in the land. Doesn't mean there won't still be some heartbreaks that there won't still be some growth opportunities, that there won't be responsibilities that will come with it, but there will be freedom. I love it that he was 80-plus years old. I love that. Don't y'all, if you're over that, all the old people say, hey, man, I love it. I love it that he was that old. You know what I think? This is what I wrote. I wrote this. Could it be that sometimes there are giants that, that we can only defeat when we've been seasoned long enough by our wilderness years to know that we can? Are there situations for those of us that have followed Jesus for 20, 30, 40, 50 years can look at those that are much younger than us and say, look, let me tell you who we are in Christ, and let me tell you what that means. It's more than just great theology. It's more than something to preach on a Sunday morning. Listen to me. I've lived it. I faced the giants. And there were times when, when I lost a few battles, but let me tell you what, in the end, we win every single time. Listen, it's okay. There's going to be some things that we'll face. Don't worry. Don't be concerned. Let me tell you who my heavenly father is. He, he loves me. He's proud of me. That's what the blood of Jesus did for me. And I've lived it long enough to know that it's true. And so I think when we get older, we think, I've, I've, done, I've done my time. I've, I've heard people say that, you know. Hey, I've done my time. I started with Springwell. I remember when we were, Stomping the cockroaches at the Starlight Ballroom. We didn't tell anybody, by the way. They, I mean, those suckers were like, they were that big. I said for years they were on steroids. The Orkin man would come in and they would, I mean, it was. We can look back. I remember when we, were, we had a $10,000 God. We needed $10,000 to buy a, you know, some, some sound equipment and, and a keyboard. We had nothing. And then God showed up, and, and, he, and we, there was $10,000. And then, then we had the challenge of being a $100,000 church. We needed $100,000 to buy a piece of property that we never built on. It's a long story. But I'm just saying, God was so good, and he provided the money. And then we needed a million dollars. 
And then God showed up and he, and he did some incredible things. We have faced some giants. People looked at us and said, there's no way that can happen. And just so you know, I told the first service, I wasn't sure if I was going to tell you. I've been telling you all this for a while. September is going to be a big month for us. I'm going to bring some challenges to this church, and I'm going to say, God, this is going to be what Canaan looks like for Springwell, and we got to step in, and there are going to be some giants in the land. But look, God has always provided, and he'll provide now. Woo, I'm excited. I felt a little Pentecostal right there. See what I've learned, I've learned that unexpected, that the unexpected growth that God wants for us is in pushing forward, not pulling back. And for some folks today, I'm telling you, he's calling you to push past your fear, past your insecurities, past your convenience. When you're living in the desert of the unexpected, there will be giants in the land of freedom. I don't know what your unexpected desert experience has been. I don't know where your hope is struggling, where your faith is weak. Maybe, maybe your hope is for a marriage to be restored, your body to be healed, your finances to be restored. Maybe it's a a career to be defined, and for some of us, maybe it's a, for a career to be redefined, right? You got stuck in that job. And for years, you've just wanted to be able to go, I've got to push past. I don't know what it is for you. What I do know is time to push forward and not pull back. What I do know is that we serve a God who redeems our lives from the pit who gives us peace instead of conflict beauty instead of ashes liberty instead of captivity assurance instead of doubt hope instead of hopelessness so if you're here this morning and you just be really honest and to say wow man I'm a follower but dude I am struggling to, to walk in the work that Jesus has already done I'm, I'm struggling to, to cross over into freedom I, I'm fearful, or you're worried, or you're angry, or you're anxious, or doubtful, whatever it might be. And you'd say, I just need somebody to pray for me. I want to pray for you. And if you just slip up your hand, I just want to do that right now. Yeah, thank you. I love you people. You're so incredible. This is, this is a place where nobody's judging you right now. Nobody's looking down their nose at you. For some, they're saying, boy, I've been there. I, let's do lunch. I've been there. Lord, uh, I just want to lift up these folks. Lord, I don't know what that thing is for them. It could be loss. Loss of somebody they love. And they can't find freedom. Can't find peace. Lord, it, maybe it's fear. Maybe it's anger. All these things that could be holding them back, God. I, I just lift up these folks and I just want to pray for them, God. I, I know what that's like, Lord. I know what it's like to to look back and to see all the negative and not see the positive. So, Father, I pray that what we'll do is you'll just you'll speak to these folks right now and you'll just whisper in their ear and you'll tell them that you love them. You'll tell them that they're important, that they matter, that you're, they're your kid. And there's going to be some giants, but it doesn't mean that they'll live 
a life of defeat. Lord, give them give them the ability to just have hope. Everybody look this way. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. And maybe your unexpected season, your unexpected event, maybe, maybe that's been the consequences of your own sin. And you know what? You've tried to fix it, right? I'm going to be better. I'm going to do better. But you can't. And no matter how good or how much better you've become, it's always short, right? You look over into the promised land and you think, I'll never be able to experience that. But you can I want you to know that uh, that Jesus can and will set you free. He's paid the penalty for all of your sin on the cross. And what we want you to know is that the cross, the cross has the final word. The final word. The cross has the final word. Sorrow may come in the darkest night. The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word The cross has the final word Evil may put up its strongest fight The cross has the final word
Uh, so maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Here's the good news is, is, that, is that God is crazy about you. And he wants a relationship with you. And he provided a way for that to happen. The cross absolutely has the final word on the love of God, the power of God. That he was raised on the third day, not just a death. Not just a death, but the resurrection. And that he's alive and he's willing right now to step into your life if you'll let him. If you're not a follower of Jesus, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be, then maybe you just pray a simple prayer. Something like this. Maybe you would say, Lord, forgive me. I'm just going to trust what you did on the cross. I'm going to accept a love that is too big for me to comprehend. It's crazy. And Lord, to believe that on the third day that you were raised from the dead and you're alive. So I, I just want to thank you for paying the penalty for my sin. Wow. And the life that I can have by putting my faith and my trust in you. So right now, just tell him, I just want to surrender my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. Set me free. Father, um, personally, I just thank you for the incredible power of your word, Lord. It's, it, thank you, God, for being will, willing to tell us the truth, the whole truth, Lord. That you didn't, like, just leave out parts, but you told the, the story. Thank you, God. That when we cannot always, you know, trace your hand we're uncertain of your method that we can trust your heart we love you you're awesome and it's in your name we